Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Danielle and Jordan of Grow Your Own Freedom to talk about their experiences with backyard urban gardening and creating their sustainable business. Danielle and Jordan started Grow Your Own Freedom, a sustainable living business that provides raised bed garden services and promotes the use of natural and organic herbal body products. Their goal is to help people grow what they can, know what they buy, go back to the basics and discover nature's goodness. They use their small piece of land and home as a place to experiment and apply the techniques that interest them and help simplify their lives. Their goal is to take what they learn and pass it on to others in their local community and beyond. Welcome to the show today, Danielle and Jordan. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share about the path that you took to get where you're at now? Sure. Um, I'd love to get started with that. So uh, Jordan and I uh, basically got started in an apartment. So we were definitely looking at some really small space. And I had always grown up around gardens. Um, My parents had always been gardeners. And even when I was in college and beyond, I used to grow, you know, something. Mm-hmm. So one day I came home and, and we had started dating maybe six months before. And I came home with two containers and some pepper plants and some tomato <laughs> plants and some herbs. And he looked at me and he was like, what are you doing? Why, <laughs> why, why are you, you know, why are you growing food in the backyard. You know, we live in a little apartment. Uh-huh. I said, well, you know, I, I, I've always done that. My parents have always done that. And I think that with that little push and like, I didn't even know it. Um, mm-hmm. He kind of took over and that season he like, you know, I say season in quotes, like we had two container gardens. <laughs> nice. So, you know, he, he took over and uh, started, you know, taking care of the tomato plants and taking Mm -hmm. care of stuff. And from there, every year just got a little bit more. And, um, you know, where we're at right now is we 
bought a house and we are on a quarter acre um, and that includes the house. So when we say quarter acre, we actually mean the house is included on that. We started out with two raised beds here and then that moved to a couple more and some blueberry bushes and some every piece of grass we're trying to kind of slowly get rid of, which yeah. our, our dog is not thrilled with, but she has learned how to weave through the garden beds. Nice. Um, so we have about how many Jordan, like 16 garden beds. Oh, wow. Something yeah. about, yeah, about that. <laughs> We have like six, 16 garden beds, and we're, he's slowly putting in a mini fruit orchard. We just built a, a, a hoop house, a hoop house um, in the backyard. So mm-hmm. slowly we, we are um, turning in our backyard into kind of, we like to say like an educational space mm-hmm. for um, people to see what's possible in our yard. Yeah. But before we got into like that really you know, 16 garden beds. When we were in the planning stages of our backyard, we had a strip of land behind our alleyway, like by our alleyway. And we decided to put a community garden in there. I don't really know whose idea it was, but we just said, okay, there's space there and it's outside of our fence. Mm -hmm. And, um, from that, that was, uh, where we, we, uh, planted vegetables for, you know, the neighbors. And we had no idea that that was going to be something that took off. And what ended up happening is that we met more neighbors than we ever had in the two years that we had lived there. (laughs) Isn't that cool? It was amazing. And from that, um, coupled with, we also um, were involved with taking some permaculture courses. With that experience of um, creating that community garden and meeting neighbors and learning about permaculture, we said, you know what, we want to start a business where we Mm -hmm. pass that on to other people so that's kind of how we started our our business and we've been running our business for about two years Mm -hmm. um where we help people grow food in their backyard that's one component is growing food in our backyard or in their backyard Mm -hmm. jordan you want to add to that sure yeah i'll just kind of fill in a little bit of the the details at the start as danielle said she had she had always kind of grown up with a garden. I'd never had a garden. I like, we never grew. We, we didn't grow anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that was totally foreign to me and really happy, you know, as I look back on it now that, that she kind of mm-hmm. pushed us in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what I was missing. I mean, like being able to walk outside and pick a fresh tomato or fresh greens, there, there's nothing better than that. Really? Oh, yeah. No kidding. And as she was saying, like kind of this, just the progression, um, obviously there was a lot that happened from a couple containers to 16 guard beds now, but I think it was just, you know, always kind of striving to do a little bit more, um, learning from mistakes mm-hmm. and, um, you know, coming across some good resources along the way. I know, I think one of the first books that I, that I really looked at in gardening was, um, the square foot garden. Oh yeah. By, Excellent uh, book. Yeah. Um, and that was just like just a lot of good information, a lot of good resources, a lot of good a lot of good ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of the framework for building our first couple raised beds, and uh, just had a great experience with that. And each year added a little bit more. And now we're kind of at the point where we need to refine a little bit the things that we do grow because with 16 garden beds, that can end up being <laughs> quite a, quite a lot to handle. Um, so we're kind of just playing around with what works the best and you know the foods that we really eat and the foods that we like to share as well right 
So I was going to ask you, uh, what do you do with all that food? <laughs> well, we have been able to to preserve some. Definitely the tomatoes and mm-hmm. and the peppers. We were actually this past fall we canned some some hot pepper sauce and and also some sliced like pickled pickled peppers. Mm-hmm. Um, canned some tomato sauce, froze some tomato sauce, dehydrated tomatoes. <laughs> Aren't um, dehydrated tomatoes great? They're so good. Oh my they're gosh, so- we made. A couple of gallons of them last year when it was all said and done, which was a lot of tomatoes. What do you yeah. do with them? Um, I like to kind of rehydrate them and heat them and like serve them over pasta, um, uh, yes. even with pesto, even with like a basil pesto. Oh, like put some, yes. some, dry, some tomatoes on top. It's very mm-hmm. good. Very good. Fantastic. Yeah. We give stuff to our neighbors mm-hmm. and give stuff to our family and friends, so it's good. Perfect. So, Danielle, you mentioned the P word, permaculture. So, did you do a permaculture design course? And tell me about it. Okay. So, our permaculture design course, I really think, opened up our eyes to what was uh, possible in our backyard because that was... Jordan did his permaculture design on our front yard, and I did my permaculture design on our backyard. Wow, And through those hours of conversation Mm -hmm. and looking at permaculture and how the wind works on our backyard and how the water flows through our backyard and how the sun hits the yard, we had a much, much, much deeper understanding of how our backyard actually works as a system. Mm Mm-hmm. And we had hours of conversation about what we wanted to do about that and how we wanted to to utilize our resources that were, you know, in our backyard. Um, So it really provided us with a great ability to see the potential before we started making lots and lots of mistakes and realizing, (laughs) okay, we shouldn't have put that here. There's no Mm -hmm. sun there. So like it was a great um, experience to really get into what our backyard potential was again before we made any certain moves that would have caused us to to not necessarily do the things that were most productive. Right. So I'm a big proponent of the permaculture design course. And generally speaking, they're about 72 hours. Did yours last that long? It did. It was wonderful. Um, We went through a place called the Eastern Pennsylvania Permaculture Guild. So what I loved about this course and what drew us to it was um, a lot of permaculture courses that we looked into were um, intensives where they were like maybe two weeks long, perhaps. Exactly. And, and none of them were offered around where we lived. Mm-hmm. And we really felt it was important to think about how permaculture could work in our climate, like right. where where we were living, not necessarily travel somewhere exotic and see how permaculture works there. Right. Because we, you know, we really have a, a passion for local and community and, mm-hmm. and we knew this, this is where we wanted to be. And what we loved about this permaculture course was that it was offered during the weekends all through the mm-hmm. summer. Perfect. So it was cool that we got to see, like we, it kind of like we went for the weekend and then absorbed the information yep. and then applied it. So it was, it was so nice that it was take, you know, it was from June through September. Mm-hmm. I think we took it in 2013 and it, it was wonderful because it just, it gave us time to like absorb, absorb it. Yeah. information. Yeah. Yeah, permaculture. My I did my first permaculture design course in 1991, and we actually wow. I'm I'm on a team here now in Phoenix that teach them 
every year and we do the weekend one and the weekend version of it is so important because you're right you get this opportunity between weekends to kind of sit with the paradigm change that permaculture is i agree it was wonderful yeah jordan thoughts on that yeah absolutely i mean i think it just even opened up different ways of well definitely opened up different ways of of thinking about things um in lots of different fields. I mean, you know, regarding our backyard, just thinking about all the inputs that could be needed, you know, conventionally mm-hmm. thinking, but also looking at, you know, the the outputs and what we what we want to obtain. Some of those outputs can also be inputs. Like just thinking about the whole cycle and and closed loop that Daniel mentioned. Yeah, just thinking about all the different aspects of, you know, what a what a what an urban <laughs> urban farm could look like exactly. or, or an urban backyard you know right. what that can look like and how you can minimize all those inputs that you know people typically just go and and try to actually produce that or or utilize waste that you already have you right. know um being you know being able to compost mm-hmm. um i mean that's a very very basic you know example but even like we have a we have a pet bunny rabbit mm-hmm. um so even just being able to utilize his 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 waste and oh, the yeah. shavings you know for fertilizing um like our fruit trees and bushes mm-hmm. like that's a great great example of being able to manage resources yeah exactly and by the way uh pet bunny wrap <laughs> hold on i'm gonna I, i'm stumbling over my words too <laughs> pet bunny manure makes great <laughs> a great starter for your worm bin. I don't know if you guys know that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I haven't tried that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's really fantastic. All right, yeah. let's just uh, let's jump on here. What inspired you to build and maintain gardens for others? Because that's what your business is, yes? Yes, that is, that's the, the main part of our business in May, April, May, and June, because mm-hmm. living in Eastern Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. that is, gar- we call that garden bed season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what we do um, and why we were inspired to do that came from obviously our own experiences and we basically wanted to, we figured that the, the easiest way to get people to start to think about the food they were eating and, and the, the things that they were putting in their body was to start really talking to people about food because that's the way we got started. So we thought, okay, well let's help people build raised garden beds mm-hmm. and uh, Jordan is a chemist by education but he is a very very good carpenter nice. um, so he so basically the the way the process works is we um, get we go to people's houses and we do a, an on-site consultation mm-hmm. and we survey you know what their wants are what their needs are you know how many people are in their family what type of space one of the biggest things one of the biggest problems people have is they don't really know where to put it right you know where where are they going to put this thing and where does it make sense so we educate them about sun and you know all those sorts of things we we build the bed, um, mm-hmm. or Jordan, I should say Jordan builds the bed. Um, <laughs> I I sometimes hold some of the the boards for him and all those things. But we um we we he builds the bed. We go to the site. We install the beds. We put it together on site. Uh-huh. We source good quality compost, which is another thing people don't really know where to where right. to get that exactly. to help them 
sourcing good quality materials. If they want us to, we plant the plants for them and provide them with the plans for how to maintain what we did. And we have consistent communication throughout the growing season. Mm-hmm. I send out a newsletter to everybody, you know, here's when you should be changing, you know, taking out old stuff and putting in some mm-hmm. second season rotation, more plants, you know, so I have a, a pretty good, um, we have a pretty good system with that, but you know, it's just, this all stemmed from a love of doing this ourselves and wanting to pass that on to people in yeah. our community. And it's, and also a big part was to help kids learn where yes. food comes from. Big time. So Jordan, you mentioned in uh, your, your bio that you also do personal care products. So what do you make and uh, tell me about that. <laughs> Okay, absolutely. Um, yes, we make we make soaps, we make different herbal salve, we make some lip balms, we have a really good deodorant, and we do some different like essential oil blends for for headaches, mm-hmm. um, for just kind of like being invigorated and stimulated, and also for for um, promoting rest and relaxation. So right. we have like a headache helper essential oil blend, a good night essential oil blend, and then, like I said, a whole bunch of different herbal salves and balms. And I don't know, we kind of got started or, yeah, I kind of got started by making some some soap for Danielle for, I think it was Christmas. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> yeah, very, very romantic. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> probably about four or five years ago, I think, was uh-huh. the first time. And I don't know, I really just kind of had had an interest in it and I thought it was pretty fascinating and having a, a science background I was really just kind of oh, yeah, um, that was probably easy for you then. yeah yeah um, I think I have the right mindset and and skill set for for planning out recipes and mm-hmm. for for scaling them up and for just developing them in general are you making your own essential oils we don't make our own mm. essential oils mm-hmm. no no because I hear it's fairly straightforward. Have you looked into it? Have a little bit. I think the only hesitation we have is just the sheer volume of of <laughs> plant material of, right. of plant material yep. that you need. Yeah, and I'm sure there's certain herbs that are that are more suitable to to start out with. So that might be something that we look look to do in the, in the near future. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the cool thing about what we're doing, and I'm gonna put me and you in that bucket of what we're doing. I like to call my place an environmental showcase home and it's my place to experiment and I get to experiment and create new things and try out things. So, you know, essential oils is something on my schedule for, you know, into the future. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely like uh, playing around and trying things out and seeing what, what's effective and what works Mm -hmm. and and what doesn't. (laughs) So tell me, why is it important that people know what they're putting on and in their bodies? I think more and more with all of the research and everything that comes out about harmful detergents and synthetic ingredients and fragrances and dyes, all of that stuff that's in like the artificial world that Mm -hmm. ends up, you know, being linked to cancers and autisms and just all of these um, harmful maladies, we feel that there's there's plenty of, of nourishment and and healing power in just the the good quality plant materials that exist without without adding anything extra. Right. 
So, well, and, I, and I've heard that our skin is our biggest organ on our body. That's correct. And it absorbs nearly everything that you put on it. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to shift a little bit on, on both of you. And, and Danielle, tell me about a time you failed and how you overcame that failure, what you might have learned from it. All right. So one of the biggest failures, I would say, and I, and, and I hesitate to say failure because I, I think I've finally developed a personality where my failures, I've been able to look on the bright side about mm-hmm. a lot of them. Right. So so that's a good thing. I'm very that's, happy that that started to happen. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I think that one of the places that we struggled was not saying no to things mm-hmm. that maybe didn't necessarily mesh with everything that our business and everything we we stood for was all about. And what I mean by that is when we first started our business, um, I think we just said yes to things or considered options just because we were so excited people wanted us to like be a part of their project or, mm-hmm. or be a part of what they were doing. And I think that that for the first year or so really overwhelmed us. And by saying yes to everything, we, we maybe lost like what we were, the, 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 end result of what we were trying to do. So I think that's kind of, that was kind of a failure in terms of like not being able to say no sometimes. But I've, I think we've really learned from that because when we look at each other after we got done, you know, spending all this time on a project that we were just like didn't fit with what we wanted to do, we'd say, okay, we're not going to do that again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, or he, or Jordan, I should say, Jordan, I, I, I might be the one that signs us up for a lot of things. And I, he would look at me and say, okay, we're not, we're not doing that type of project mm-hmm. again, or that sort of thing, because that's just not, you know, I didn't realize that you could say no, and still people would come knocking and say, we need your services in another way. Right. So I think that was kind of a failure that then turned um, into a really um, nice success for us. Nice. And, you know, um, more often than not, that's the point because that's where we learn at is in our failures and yes. so you know learn <laughs> learn <Yes. laughs> so jordan what do you consider your biggest success i think our biz- biggest success has really been being able to be comfortable staying at our home and making things work here as we were as we were progressing, you know, like a few years back and really getting into gardening and really enjoying all, and, and being fascinated by all the different permaculture topics, mm-hmm. our, our first instinct was, well, we need to do this on a bigger scale. We need to have more <laughs> land. We need to have yep. all these animals mm-hmm. and, and just really go at this. And I think eventually we just, after talking so much and, and looking at land that was around us, we are just like, you know we can do a lot of cool stuff and we can really maximize what we have. And I think we finally just decided that, you know, we need to make this work. Like we're, we're in a great location. We love that we can walk to lots of places that are around us. We love that we can be a prime example for all of our neighbors around us that that you can do a lot on a small, small piece of land. And I think just being comfortable with that, that that was enough. And, um, you know, being able to, to be creative and, and think of, you know, kind of unique ways to, to, to do all the things that we, that we were thinking we wanted to do, Mm -hmm. um, to do all those things just on a little bit of a smaller scale and maybe a little more efficiently. 
and you know maybe just maximizing the space a little bit better right and i too have just a little over a quarter of an acre here at the urban farm and we have 80 fruit trees on the property and edible beds everywhere chickens in in the backyard uh, you know, so there, there's so much you can do with a small piece of land like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want you both to answer this next question. And, and uh, so we'll start with Danielle. And I want to know what drives you. Like, what's your big why? There's a lot of things that drive me. But I think one of the biggest things that drives me is that I believe in the power of one person being able to influence other people and I'm not saying that necessarily has to be me but Mm -hmm. I feel like for many years I I I felt very helpless and you know in a a really big world and very helpless and I and something turned around and made me realize that I needed to start with myself and by you know Jordan and I working together and then influencing you know our little neighborhood and then that neighborhood you know those people influencing their family and then that ripple effect that happens I just I really feel like I don't feel as helpless anymore and I feel like if everybody just did something small the world would be a really really much different place and that that's really what drives me day to day is just that power of I've seen you know just those little gestures of of different things happening that that then impact somebody else and it really just feels good to be able to to feel empowered once in a while with that sort of stuff right perfect Jordan I just get a very strong sense of satisfaction and empowerment and security from from being able to grow a lot of our own food. I don't know that I would have really understood that until I until I've done it. <laughs> but there's just some some sort of great great sense of um mm-hmm. yeah, just all of those words. <laughs> yeah. Um a great sense of satisfaction being able to to go outside and come back in with arms full of of food and and knowing that I was, you know, responsible for for facilitating all of that growth. So I I I just like to hope to um to pass that sort of feeling on to some of our 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 clients and people that we've worked with and people that we encounter, you know, to be able to have them share in that experience. Fantastic. So, I'm all about education and I have to know, is there one book that has been most influential in the grow your own food process that you've been going through? My personal book is a book called Essentialism by Greg McCowan, and it kind of reflects on to what I was talking about earlier about saying yes to what matters and saying no to other things. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that that has influenced not necessarily the growing food in the backyard, but kind of all of it. Like it really, for me, has helped with, you know, maybe – Actually, maybe it does help with the backyard. Like mm-hmm. maybe I'm not planting every little thing that I want to plant. Instead, I'm planting the things that I really, really love. So essential, it's a, a book that basically teaches you and goes through this whole process of saying, you know, yes to the things that matter and no to some of the things that um, that you don't really need to do and that 
be secure in the opportunities that will will come as a result of saying no to some of those things that you think you have to do. So it's a book I would recommend for anybody to read. Um, definitely is a book that Jordan and I come back to when we make our decisions about our business and about um, the things that we commit to. Perfect. Jordan? I think for me, a, a very influential book was Will Allen's um, The Good Food Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I read that probably about four winters ago, maybe five, and I was just amazed at all of the all of the great things he's able to do in in an urban area in what were once dilapidated greenhouses. <laughs> um, I know, and it's just amazing what he's done there. Yeah, and what he's able to provide for the community around there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just totally amazed and inspired by that. And you know, if if he can do that, I hope to be able to do a, a, a small fraction of that um, with our space. Right. What is one final piece of advice that you have for our listeners, Danielle? My final piece of advice would be that nothing you do is too small. Mm-hmm. And I'd also encourage anybody not to let fear of doing it wrong paralyze you before you start. So I think that, you know, not, anything you do is going to be a start and don't fear doing it wrong and don't let that stop you from doing great things. Jordan? I think mine's similar. I really like Joel Salton saying that, you know, anything worth doing is 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 worth doing poorly first. The important <laughs> thing is that you right. just start and you and yeah. you do it. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Danielle and Jordan. Thank is, you. Absolutely. It's been a treat chatting with you. How can our listeners get a hold of you and and find you on the web maybe? We have a Facebook page called Grow Your Own Freedom, so you can look for us there. And we also have a website called growyourownfreedom.com. And if you want to email us, you can certainly email us at info at growyourownfreedom.com as well. Fantastic. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. 
That's denalicanning.com forward slash free.